uh, in the Pew Bible, you'll find it on uh, page 919. We'll be reading from verse 25. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies on your account. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound all men over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. Thank you. God bless. Let's um, pray one more time. Yeah, Lord, uh, where you're the one actually uh, that has the spiritual hand that can reach into our hearts and do not what no other, what no created hand could ever do, you can switch on a light. And so, Lord, would you be doing your light switching, uh, even in our hearts this morning, Lord, through your Word and by your Spirit. Um, We need your light. If we don't have your light, we're stumbling around in darkness. So, um, yeah, do something, Lord, in us for hope and uh, for truth and for your glory and for our joy. We ask, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to speak to you this morning um, about a mystery. Uh, uh, A mystery. And it comes from... Romans chapter 11, it says in Romans chapter 11, uh, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters. Some of you love um, mystery novels and or the TV shows that um, got a, a mystery plot and what our God is saying, in actual fact there is a greater mystery <laughs> There is a grander mystery that, un, that concerns the unfolding of human history and, and uh, he's saying to you, I do not want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant about this. There's things when, when the... It, actually, that's a repeated phrase in different parts of the Bible. I don't want you... To, and when it says, I do not want you to be ignorant, we should pay attention. Okay, there's something here. <laughs> Do not want you to be ignorant. This 
letter was written by a bloke called Paul. He was writing from a Greek city of Corinth in about AD 57. And, he, and Nero was 16 years old um, when he'd just become the emperor of, of Rome. And, and Paul is writing now from Corinth um, to Rome and he's writing to the Romans, mostly not Jews, mostly people from other nations called Gentiles. And he's saying to them, I do not want you to be ignorant. And it's relevant for us as well. There's something that there's, we, we, there's a mystery. There's a mystery here that um, we want to spend a few minutes on and God is saying, I don't want you to be ignorant. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. There's actually a reason <laughs> to get this mystery <laughs> because there's a danger for us human beings that we will be proud, um, that we'll be conceited that we'll have tickets on ourselves. And God is saying, once you see this mystery, you won't be uh, thinking of yourself. You'll actually have your eyes on God and his greatness and his splendor and his majesty. And you, once you see this mystery, it'll blow your mind. You'll be in shock and amazement. Have you ever wondered... Does, does God determine how history unfolds or do we as human beings, uh, by our free will, determine what, what happens here on earth and how things pan out? So is history unfolding because um, we all, billions of people, are making our free choices and we are making those choices, and God is watching from above, thinking, I wonder what's going to happen next. And, oh, no, that happened. And is, it, is that the way it is? Is it like we are crazy human beings making decisions and God is watching as human history unfolds? Or is God unfolding human history is he in control is he unrevealing un, un, and unfolding history as it comes well listen to the end of verse 25 it says i do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery brothers and sisters so that you may not be conceited and then here's the mystery Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles come in. And so you say, well, that's not a mystery, that's boring. <laughs> that's, is that all it was? But hang on a minute, just, just hang on a minute. Because this is talking about one of the most relevant things of all. The hardness or softness of the human heart. Uh, do, do you soften your heart towards God? <laughs> do you, are you, or, do you, or do you harden your heart towards God? Are you the one that says, I'm just going to run my own race. I'm going to live my own life. I will do, I am not going to take any notice of God and he, he can have not, and I'm going to have a hard heart towards God. Or are you the one that softens your heart towards God? Do you, do you 
make your heart soft towards him? Or does he do that? Maybe you've, you're a Christian here today and you're just longing. Oh, you've got children. You have got children. And you're just longing for them to see the truth about God. Or you've got friends and you're thinking, why are they so, why just cannot they see? Why just can't, why are they so blind? Or maybe you're here this morning and you don't actually believe and you're thinking, how come uh, my friends have got soft hearts towards, how can they have the faith that they, how can they um, believe in God? We're talking about a mystery here. A mystery about the hardness and softness of human hearts. But here, it's not individual, it's national. Israel has experienced a hardening until the full number of Gentiles comes in. What this is saying, and I told you it was going to blow your minds, is that God is ordering all things. He is running the universe even the softness and the hardness of people's hearts towards him. And you say, I don't believe that. I cannot believe that for a moment. And I'm saying, God said to you, I don't want you to be ignorant. This is a mystery, a great mystery. Have you ever noticed that in the Old Testament, I'm just going to grab an Old Testament is not just an Old Testament, this is a whole Bible. But have you ever noticed that in the Old Testament, in the in this part of, of the Testament, of the Bible, for, for centuries, like for centuries, uh, God's promises were on one nation, <laughs> one nation that was Israel, to his own people. That was where his focus was. It was them (laughs) that he he said, I'm going to pull you out of slavery. And it was to them that he said, I'm going to make a promise of land to you. And it was to them that he gave the law, not to the other nations. He had this, this very specific focus. It was to them that he gave the covenants. It was to them that he sent the prophets. It was to them that he gave the temple. It was to them that he gave gave kings. And it was to them that the doors of the kingdom were opened. And he was welcome. He had this focus for centuries. He had this focus on one people. He was inviting them in, saying, The door is open into the kingdom of God. And did you know that even when Jesus came, I don't know whether you remember this, but even when Jesus came, there was an occasion where a Canaanite woman comes to Jesus. Now, a Canaanite woman is someone that's outside of Israel. So so she's a Gentile. She's from another nation. And she comes to Jesus. And this is shocking. Because she comes to Jesus and she says to him in Matthew 15, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and is suffering terribly. And Jesus did not answer a word. And so the disciples 
came to him and urged him, saying, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. She's annoying us. Just please send her away. And Jesus answered, and he, he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Hmm. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. I've just got this, this focus Do you see, all through. Now, amazingly, in this extraordinary story, she continues to cry out to Jesus. And in beauty, because of her faith, she receives tremendous grace. And her daughter is free. But but the point that I'm trying to make is, do you see? All through the history, and even right down to Jesus, God has got this focus on one people. But in the New Testament, Things flip, totally flip. Something flips when Jesus comes. Because the people of Israel, who by and large were the ones who had the door open to them for the kingdom, when the door himself comes, Jesus, Jesus calls himself the door, they reject him. They actually reject him. God sends the prophets to Israel. He sends the the, the law and the the temple and everything. But when the ultimate one comes, Christ himself, the door, through whom everyone must come to God and come into the kingdom. And when he, the door, comes, they reject him. He comes to that which is his own, but his own does not receive him. Their hearts were not soft for Jesus they were hard they were really hard and when Jesus dies and rises again in power do you know Paul goes in the book of Acts you read it four times it says that he goes first to the synagogues and tells the Jews about the ultimate fulfillment of all the centuries of what God has been doing is now come in Christ and he's died he's the sacrifice he's the lamb he's the temple he's the ultimate um, savior of all and they reject they reject the message they're hardened and at different times You'll read where Paul says to the Jews, he says, if you do not consider yourself worthy of this message, I'm going to, therefore, I'm shaking the dust off my shoes, I'm going to go to the Gentiles. Something has flipped in human history. Now, since then, the nations have been flowing into the kingdom. And so people from South America have been coming and people from Burma have been coming into the kingdom all through Christ, through the door. People from China have been coming in. People from Korea and England and Africa and Australia and Iran and they're flooding in. They're flooding in. Do you know, it reminds me when I was a little kid, I think I, I, think I was so little, I, don't, I even wonder whether I remember this right, but I... Um, so I'm 54, so when I was four or five or something, let's say 50-odd years ago, I seem to remember sitting in the car in Wagga, I was born here, in Wagga and my parents driving and with my other brothers and sisters and the traffic cop 
would stand before the uh, before the invention of traffic lights. Would stand the guy with the policeman would stand there and he'd hold up his hand uh, and stop that traffic and wave these ones through, wave them through, and then stop them and <laughs> wave these through. A and it feels like in human history, God has had a time, a history where he's focused on one nation and he's waving them in, waving them into the kingdom. Come, come. But when Christ comes, their hearts are hard. And it's almost as though he's saying, okay, you've experienced this hardening. I'm waving the nations in. <laughs> come in, nations. Come in. All the nations. They've experienced, do you see what it says there? Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. Do you know even Jesus spoke about something like this? There's this story that he tells in Matthew 21 where he says, there was this, you'll remember this some of you, there was this landowner. He planted a vineyard and he put a wall around the vineyard and he dug a wine press and he put a watchtower in it and so he had this magnificent vineyard. <laughs> and he gets these tenants, these farmers, to rent out the vineyard. So they, the tenants come and when harvest times comes, the owner of the land says, send some servants and says, uh, okay, give us some of the fruit of the vineyard. But, the tenants of the farm see these servants coming and they beat one and they killed another and they stoned the third. And they, they treated these... They were supposed to give the, some of the fruit of their, the, the vineyard to the landowner, but they didn't. And so the, the landowner says, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll send my own son to get some fruit. But they said to each other, this is the heir Let's kill him and then we'll get the inheritance. And so they come and they kill the son of the landowner and throw him out of the vineyard. And then Jesus asks the question because he's speaking this parable to the Jews, to Israel. And he asks, what will happen to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end. And in verse 43, this is what it says. It says, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will bear its fruit. And he's talking to the Jews. <laughs> you, the kingdom, you have not borne the fruit. <laughs> you haven't borne the fruit. And so the kingdom of God is going to be taken away from you and it will be given to a people who will, who will bear its fruit. And so he's waving the nations in. Those that will bear the fruit of the kingdom. The point is, and this is the point that I want you to know. God is the ruler of the universe. And, and for centuries, he determines how human history unfolds. God will accomplish what he wants and no one will stop him. It says here, until the full number of the Gentiles come in. Um, 
Israel experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in and in this way all Israel will be saved. So this is the way I understand that verse. That there is a coming a time in human history where Israel hearts will be softened and many will come. Many will begin to flood in to, to the kingdom. But there is a time now with God saying, um, now is the opportunity for you. And so I'm speaking primarily to Gentiles here. And I'm saying to you, I'm saying to Wagga, I'm saying to whoever will listen, now is a time for God's gracious invitation. Come in, come in. I'll tell you, this is the thing, the perplexing thing. Is this not what's happening in your brain? Maybe, maybe not. Let's, let me find out. To decide, do we decide whether we're going to have soft hearts towards God or does he decide whether we're going to have soft hearts towards God? And I think the biblical answer is both. Does that make you angry? Because... I told you this, this is a mystery. <laughs> you say, well, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't, I don't know. I, but this is a mystery. <laughs> and Paul's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant of something. God is the God of the universe. He is accomplishing all that he will accomplish. Nothing will stand in his way. And yet, he's calling us to believe. He's calling us to trust. He's calling us. Somehow, God, this makes me want to have my eyes off myself and seeing how great God is. He's beyond our comprehension. He is worthy of our worship. He's not this big. He's mind-blowing. He's mind-blowing. And he is to be worshipped and adored. Lastly, I just want to say something about verse 30. Listen to what verse 30 says. Just as you were at one time, and he's talking to the Gentiles, he's talking to us. <laughs> Just as you at one time disobedient to God and have now received mercy. So there was a time all through the ages, for, for those early ages, where we were disobedient to God. We were doing our own thing. <laughs> and, and, and now we are receiving mercy in Christ as a result of the disobedience of the Jews. So that they're, they're disobedient. They've got hard hearts and he's waving anyone in that will believe. They've got, he's waving them in saying, you can have mercy. So too, they have now become disobedient. So they're, they're disobedient in order that they too might receive mercy. There's coming a time when they will receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. Now, do you see what God's doing here? Everyone is disobedient. Why? so that everyone can receive mercy. I just want to, as we finish, I just want to concentrate on one thought with you. I want you to think about that word, mercy. 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 Do you know, someone uh, the night before last broke into this building and... Smashed a few things up. Didn't take very much. Smashed my office window and whatnot. And, and took a few things. Now, um, police have been called and 
it's going to be pursued and the police are not going to show mercy. But, but I want you to know that before God, I don't know whether you can even believe this, but before God, he is in no more need of mercy than I am. You say, oh, but you're a pastor. You have said, you look at how you, you look at you using the word and you're doing all sorts of, con- surely that's not, look, I want you to know that I stand here and you must stand here and what God is trying to do through the ages, through human history, is exalt his mercy. We all need absolute mercy. Every single one of us need mercy. I need mercy. You need mercy. And so what God does in Christ in sending his son on the cross, dying on the cross, and his blood being poured out, he's pouring out mercy, like mercy, like all my sins and all your sins, whether they be lying or adultery or greed or pornography or hatred or pride or whatever it is that you stand before God condemned and you feel like I could never, ever stand before him, without being crushed, God in Christ is showing mercy. And even through, as history unfolds, his purpose is that his mercy would be glorified, that the Gentiles would glorify him for his mercy. So I want you to know that there is a God of heaven. He's very, very, very great. Way, way bigger than your little brain and my little brain. He is tremendous, totally worthy of our worship. And he has sent his son, his own son, to die that we could receive mercy. What is it in your life this morning that you receive, you desperately need God's mercy for? What is it in your life this morning that you desperately know? Unless I actually receive mercy, his cleansing, his forgiveness, I cannot stand before him. God is offering to us as a people mercy, free. Like it's incredible, free mercy. That's what he's offering and that was what he's unfolding in human history, that we would be recipients of mercy and we would glorify him. Let me pray and um, we'll sing. Yeah, Father, please may our, our hearts not be hard to you, but soft. Please may our hearts receive your mercy. Please, Lord, may our eyes see the beauty and grace of Christ. Yeah, please, Lord. Um, turn the lights on in our hearts that we might come to Christ and rejoice in that mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.